Soil and Water, Conservation Conversations. This podcast connects you to local farmers that are utilizing conservation practices on their farms. You'll learn about the farm, the farmer, the conservation practice that they have successfully implemented on their farm, as well as the challenges they face and how they've overcome these challenges. Beyond feeding the world, clean water is one of the many ecosystem services agriculture can provide. Agriculture is not the problem, rather, it is the solution to protecting and improving our local water quality. My name is Kim Meyer. I work with a group called Yahara Winds, which is a collaborative effort to improve water quality throughout the Yahara watershed. Today, I'm here with Jeff Endress with Endress Berry Ridge Farms in the township of Springfield near Wanakee, Wisconsin. And Jeff is also the president of the Yahara Pride Farm Farmer Group, covering the entire Yahara watershed. Today we're going to discuss composting. So Jeff, can you share a little bit about your farm, the crops you grow, acres, and animals that you raise? Yeah, we crop about 1,600 acres. Half is rented, half is owned. We primarily grow alfalfa, corn, and some grass, as well as we bring in some winter wheat in the rotation as well. So can you talk a little bit about your farm terrain? It's mostly smaller fields, hilly, varied. Uh, we got a little everything. We've got marshland, we've got hilly land, we've got nice flat fields, a variety of farmland that we work between all the farms that we operate. And then, you know, obviously composting conservation practice. What other conservation practices do you already implement on your farm? Well, we do a lot of no-till, both corn and seeding, as well as some planting green. Uh, we use a lot of cover crops, basically everything that harvested for corn silage in the fall goes into a cover crop mostly overwintering cover crops as well as some of the early corn that's harvested for snaplage we'll put cover crops in after that. Low disturbance manure injection most of our manure goes on after the cover crops are planted both in the fall and in the spring going into the fields that are growing cover crops and then more of our low ground more of our flatter colder to warm up soils we strip till them. We either strip them in the fall or in the spring whatever uh, the weather allows us to do. So animals, obviously there's a dairy farm here. What's your numbers like? Uh, we we got about 500 to 550 milk cows uh, on the farm here. They're, they're registered Holsteins for the most part. So in your manure system, obviously today we're going to talk about composting, but you also have quite a bit of liquid manure manage as well. All the dairy manure coming from the milk cows is in the form of liquids. Primarily all our young stock and dry cow manure is currently being composted as well as it's going to one of the local digesters. 10% of the liquids are taken away from the waste stream and uh, brought back to the liquid pit, but the rest uh, of the matter is being composted. Okay, so it's a pretty complex system that you have going on at this point. Yeah, it's, it's grown into something more complex. We started out very simple, uh, just composting uh, bedding pack manure out in the field. So what got you thinking about doing composting? How'd you really get started with it? We started probably eight years ago, trying to figure out what to do with our bedding pack manure in the summer months. Started experimenting with headland stacking it and turning it, and we liked uh, the results and how it shrunk down in size and how it transformed back into like soil right before our eyes as we were working with it. So we were quick to figure out that through that process that it is more concentrated, more nutrients in a load, so that led to the idea that, you know, now we can transport this even further from the farm and, 
and use it for fields that are further from the dairy. But also, we learned that working with compost, you can spread it on growing crop. It had a nice analysis that worked really well with alfalfa. So we primarily are using it as an alfalfa fertilizer up to this year. This year we are now mixing gypsum with it, uh, sulfur source, and basically all our acres are gonna see some compost. We were faced with our dairy heifer grower retiring, so we had to build a heifer facility rather than digging another manure pit and going with a liquid program we decided to look into uh, expanding the composting operation to take into account the heifers moving back on the farm. So one of the other main aspects of why we considered composting manure was we wanted to really get away from spreading manure in the winter months and with the amount of cattle that we have on bedding pack it's kind of hard not to spread in the winter. When we started doing the compost and the whole idea was we would compost the manure as it came out of the bedding pack barns and transport it to the fields and headland stack the finished compost rather than the bedding pack manure. We've learned that compost stores out in the field much better than a stagnant pile of manure, much more stable, doesn't leach. Uh, we found out that the compost is environmental friendly than just a, a manure pile out in the field. What about siting a pile? What advice do you have for people that are seeking a, a location on their property to start composting? So with the Hara Pride Farms, we've run some uh, pilot programs with a number of farmers and all their windrows were uh, like on a headland stack at the edge of the field. You know, as long as there was good drainage away from the windrow, not too steep, firm ground, preferably on like a hayfield or sod, works nice. Definitely not tilled soil. And then again, not close to bedrock. With those things in mind, we had very good success with working with them in the field and turning them. You know, again, on that week to 10 day basis, we did nitrogen testing before and after on these trials testing the soil to see what the nitrogen level was prior to the windrow going in the field and then again after we took the windrow out. We were seeing virtually no change in the amount of nitrates or nitrogen in the soil under the windrow or next to the windrows. It's pretty remarkable, but it goes to show that if you keep the, the windrow active and composting, you won't have the leaching like a stagnant pile may. Can you talk a little bit about the turning and that whole process of when you know to turn? So when we build the initial compost windrow we usually turn it within the first day and then we monitor the temperatures. We usually shooting for you know temperatures 135 to 140. Sometimes early on in the process they might get up to 150, 160 and if they get that warm we like to turn it so it comes back down to that 130, 140 degree range. It usually ends up being about once a week or once every 10 days. So what about in the winter time? Uh, in the winter time, it's probably a little bit more frequent. The process takes longer because it's harder to move the moisture away from the windrows. The moisture tends not to drop as quick as in the summer, and therefore it may slow the process down. So it usually takes a week to two weeks longer to finish out compost in the winter time. For someone who's getting started, obviously the carbon to nitrogen ratio is something that they have to learn a little bit about, but moisture, 
Can you talk a little bit about, about some of those things? Yeah, so I always tell everybody that the moisture, the manure going into the compost windrow is real similar to making silage, whether it be haylage or corn silage. You know, the mid-60s, the low 60s is really a nice area to be. Start pushing 70 or low 50s or in the 40s, the, then it's getting too dry. So that's something you want to take in consideration. You want to make sure you got plenty of carbon, but you also need a good nitrogen source. Really, bedding pack manure makes a really easy starting point for composting that'll be successful uh, right out of the gate. So when you deal with stuff under a cover versus out in the rain, how do you deal with when things either are dry in the building or when things get really wet outside? It's just mm -hmm. a waiting game. Yeah, when you're outside in the open air, you're going to have to wait it out until you get some drier weather. You don't want to mix in too much moisture and get that windrow super saturated because then it's really hard to dry it out. Probably going to take a few more weeks to finish it out, lengthening the process that eventually costs you more money. But if you get adequate moisture and not extreme rain events in the summer, it pretty much takes care of itself out in the open air. Where in the summer under a roof, you tend to get a little bit on the dry side. When you're under a roof in the summertime, you got to sometimes they add fresh manure to mix to moisten it up, keep that moisture up enough so that it, it keeps the, the bugs active and, and the composting process moving forward. You mentioned the equipment you started with, but over time you progressed to this point where you have, you know, your building and you've got good turning equipment and a spreader. Can you talk a little bit about that progression and how you made the decisions that you did? Yeah, so we found out that, you know, to really utilize the space under our roof, and our roof is just that. It's a 200 by 60 foot building with just a roof pole barn, no sidewalls. We found that we needed a, a turner that we could maximize the amount of windrows we could put under it, right? So we made it a three-point mounted compost turner that we back through the windrow and it restacks the compost next to it. We did that in 2017, worked with a local fabricator and we came up with a concept and an idea and working machine that really does a great job. Last year we just added a tractor to the lineup that uh, allows us to drive in both directions and the seat turns around, uh, which makes the process much more comfortable for the operator so he's not looking over his shoulder now he's facing the back of the machine facing the windrow as it feeds through the compost turner that's working out quite well so somebody getting started out with composting and they don't have a turner would you recommend they use a loader or would be best they look into turning services that might be available I think thing that we've seen with bucket turning compared to turning with a mechanical turner is the process tends to not be as thorough. You don't get the consistency of the turning that you get with a mechanical machine, the sizing of the material, and ultimately it probably takes longer. Not saying it can't be done, it can be done. You gotta be really religious with your turning. I know some farmers have end loaders, they can restack it or shuffle it around, even a backhoe. I've seen people use an excavator to restack windrows and, and aerate them. There's tools that can be used if you don't have a turner. Ultimately, you're gonna be more successful with a turner with your hands on one. And then for land application equipment, I'm guessing you started out with a manure spreader and then you from that? We actually hired the spreading done with a spreader that was designed for spreading compost or chicken litter or those types of materials. We ended up buying one a year or two later. It does a terrific job. We're really confident with that spreader. It spreads up 75 to 80 feet in some situations with certain materials. Uh, we're, we got it dialed in at about 60 feet. 
we're real confident in the spreading pattern. That's part of the reason why we've been adding gypsum and actually putting lime on with the same application, mixing it into the compost. It's really a, the way to go in the long run if you're going to be doing a lot of compost spreading. Can you share some of the challenges that you faced initially and maybe some of the challenges you still are dealing with now? The challenges are with composting is being able to make quality compost year-round. Winter is always a little bit tougher on the moisture, the temperatures, especially if you're doing it out in the open. You can deal with more moisture in the windrows because of the snow. Because of the temperatures, it doesn't dry out quite as quick, so you can uh, tend to run um, higher moistures than your compost. And if they get too high, the compost windows will shut down and they won't compost no more. We've learned some techniques that help eliminate that, as well as introduced a new turner that seems to really help with that issue. Looking at economics, what are the real benefits to this? The biggest benefit to this is you're getting the opportunity to use your nutrients that you have on the farm and share it with other fields within the farming enterprise. We can take fields that we harvest corn off of as a grain we can utilize those stocks as bedding, bring them in, put them under the livestock, and then compost them. Those fields are generally, if they're corn on the corn, have pretty high K values. So we can harvest that K off those fields that are corn on corn and actually transfer that back onto the hay fields that use a lot of K. And that, I think, is the biggest thing that we really realized early on, that just utilizing the nutrients on the farm through the farming enterprise from field to field it allows you to really zero things in a little bit, especially with the high fertilizer prices now. So you're able to transport it to further away fields and then you can also apply in season on certain crops? Yeah. We do haul up to 12 miles away, and we feel that we can do that with compost. We can't do that with liquid manure. It costs more to haul liquids that far than it does a load of compost. And for example, a load of compost is worth you know, anywhere from five to six hundred dollars a load, where a load of liquid manure is probably more like seventy to a hundred. And then you got your application cost with the liquid on top of it all. So that kind of tells the story on what you can afford to haul further down the road. We're finding out that compost is finding its way to the farms further away, and we're utilizing the nutrients of the liquid manure closer to home, which is more economical to spread when you don't have to put wheels under it. And then so it opens up your application time as well. We'll spread compost after every crop of hay this year. It won't be on the same fields, but we got fields that are picked for each crop on different farms so we may do a, one or two farms per crop and then go to the next farm and that's how we got it planned out for this year. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things you've seen on your farm as improved soil health or really any other ecosystem services you've gained from using this practice? One of the, the first year that we had the compost we spread some compost on half of an alfalfa field and not on the other half. I've seen a, a yield response on the yield monitor on the chopper within the next crops. So that definitely told me there's something to the availability of the nutrients, the carbon source in that compost or it's converted to. We've been duplicating that and watching that every year moving forward and we tend to see the same trend. So we're pretty confident in the product. Soil health side of thing, I've been catching night crawlers in the field feeding on the compost after rain events and worm castings are real prevalent in the fields that we spread the compost on. So I think it's gotta be helping with the soil health part of things. You know, those are the things we still have to learn. We have to do a better job of tracking and, and hopefully understanding that part of it, because I think that could really be a seller for 
the composting uh, process and one of the main benefits coming out of it. What are some other benefits that you've you've learned through some research? So working close with the UW, we did some tests early on and one of the things that we learned early was that the dissolved phosphorus in the manure through the composting process and became more particulate. And that's really a big deal when you're looking at putting that nutrients out in the field. Dissolved phosphorus is going to potentially move much easier than particulates. The other thing that I think is going on is that actually that phosphorus was attaching itself to the carbon molecules and therefore being that it's attached to the carbon, it's probably going to fixed to the soil much better than if it was just in a liquid form that every time you get a rain event or any time you get moisture can move. We also have a trial going on in a field study on a farm working with uh, Yahara Winds and some extension folks were doing some side-by-sides with compost, raw manure, and then conventional fertilizer. Really want to learn more about that soil health aspect as well as the uh, you know how fast does this nutrients come available. The standard nutrient testing tells you one thing: if your carbon to nitrogen ratio is 15 or below, is it potentially be more available sooner? Those are things that we have to understand and know, get a little more confident in it, in the nutrients that's in the compost, so we know when it's coming available for the plants, and that'll only allow us to manage it even tighter. You know, if you want to learn more about it, look on our website, yaharapridefarms.org. We've got a lot of good information out there. Looking to put more out in the future. If you want to learn more about our organization, it kind of tells the story of Yahara Pride Farms. We've been around now for 10 years. Done a lot of good things with cost share money and pushing innovation on the land and with the farmers and also reducing the amount of nutrients leaving the fields, mainly in the form of phosphorus. At the end of the day, we're in the business of growing food, which is basically nutrients to feed people. And whenever you work with Mother Nature and and the soil and the land and nutrients, you always got a risk of some of that nutrients uh, leaking out of the system, so to speak. And we're all about trying to minimize those risks and you know, most of the time we're going to succeed at that, but every once in a while, Mother Nature is going to win. Farming is probably more the answer than it is the problem. Well, thanks for your time today, Jeff. Thank you, Kim.